0: Welcome to the Creative Caffeine podcast with Walid Azami. I am Walid. Today is a very unique setup, but it's going to help you out a lot, a lot. I have a guest of honor, but I also have a co-host who I really admire, who I respect and really the co-host Matthew Young, a brilliant photographer. All of Matthew's information is going to be linked in the show notes. He set up this entire interview. We hosted it in my club on Clubhouse, and we did this together. Now, because the same interview is in Chase's podcast, I'm taking Chase's answers, and I'm setting up and introducing each of them in a way that's going to help you get the most out of Chase's answers. So because of that, you're not going to be able to hear my voice on stage asking him questions, and you're not going to be able to hear Matthew Young's voice although he's here in spirit I'm here in spirit too I'm going to set up every one of Chase's answers and then tell you why it's important as a photographer as a videographer as an artist and guide you through Chase's answers so work with me on this one but it's important and I want you to get the information that Chase Jarvis shares so let's get started
1: Briefly, my name is Matthew Young. I'm a photographer, I'm a director. I started as a photo assistant and I worked my way through kind of every conceivable photo job. But now I've spent the last 10 years getting to travel the world and shoot campaigns for big clients like Amex and Bose and Apple. And it's kind of the life that I always dreamed of. Um, But something that I've always been inspired to do along the way, and and Chase, you know, candidly inspired a lot by you and your journey and what you've done is to try to build community and support other creatives along the way. Um, So I started something called Art of Freelance, which is a peer-to-peer accountability workshop that we've been doing the past five years. Um, And for instance, right now we have a 100 creatives and these small cohorts um, showing up each week for an hour to kind of hold each other accountable and support each other as they do portfolio projects and, and build their portfolios. And it's, it's very much sort of inspired by things that I think you've spoken a lot about you know, in your podcast and, uh, in, and now in this book. Um, which we're going to dive into right now. But Chase, do you want to just give us the the, the brief sort of, um, you know, introduction for you and then we can dive into the book?
2: Sure. If you're not familiar with me or my work, um, I'm a lifelong uh, photographer, entrepreneur, identify as a creator. I bailed on all of the dreams that everybody else had for me in a rather, a number of awkward, inconvenient ways throughout the early part of my life. I was good at disappointing the people that were closest to me because uh, despite their great intentions, um, you know, writing a prescription for someone else's life or the flip side of that, being prescribed what life ought to be for each of us, um, just that didn't add up in my psyche. And after sort of going along with it for a long time, I recognized that that was not how I wanted to spend my one precious life on this planet. and. Just endeavored to change it, so I, I bailed on a career in professional soccer. I dropped out of uh, a PhD in philosophy, and I bailed on medical school in three consecutive years uh, in order to become a uh, a professional photographer. And the rest is well chronicled online, but not dissimilar to uh, well Eden Matthew. My goal is to live a very creative life, um, imbue my life with creativity in every conceivable fashion, and ultimately help others achieve their dreams and career and hobby and life. I did the first iPhone app that was a social network around photography called Best Camera. It was app of the year in two thousand nine, I guess. And I'm the founder of Creative Live, which has served tens and tens of millions of uh, photographers, designers, entrepreneurs from uh, around the world for the last decade
0: on stage Matthew asked a question if photographers but really all artists if they should go all in or should they ease themselves into it and develop new skills and figure things out so that was a big question for Chase like do we just scratch the surface or do we go all in and burn the boats at the shore as Matthew put it Many photographers, many videographers, many artists, they feel stuck. And I'm leaving this answer in here because I want you to hear Chase talk about it. And they feel stuck in their jobs. They feel stuck in not starting. They feel just stuck in life. And you're going to hear him talk a lot about imagination and imagining things that you want, big or small. But this is what the question was out. If you want to try new things, if you want to go for that thing that you've always wanted – Do you just scratch the surface little by little or, as Matthew put it, burn the boats at the shore of the enemy? So you can't leave. You can't escape. You just got to face it and go, here we go. All right? So if you're wondering if you should be starting your photography business, if this is for you, listen to Chase talk. It's going to help you out a lot.
2: Great, great topic to explore and plenty of layers of the onion there. Um, You know, I've also been recognized for saying you got two jobs in life. One, find the thing you're supposed to do, and then two, do that thing. And for the people who found that thing, and you know, I'm guessing when I, you know, speak in front of a room of a thousand people or whatever, and I say, who knows what they're supposed to be doing with their life, and, you know, I would say, you know, 50% of the people raise their hand. So if we take that, you know, analog here and apply it to the the, you know, a hundred or so people who are listening right now, then that's a 50 50 people are going, I don't know what that thing is. So I wanna first talk to that group. This is a beautiful place to be. And right now, you're probably looking at the people to your left and to your right and the people uh, in your um, family circle and friend circle. And, you know, some of them, you might be disproportionately focusing your attention on the people who know what they're supposed to do because, you know, that's where you're at right now. You don't have that. And so you're looking and you're seeking. And to those folks, like this, the curiosity it, that we are um, wired with as children. I don't know if you've watched a child play lately, but just the imagination and the curiosity and the willingness to try things without that voice in our head. We do ourselves such a disservice by not living in the moment and by telling ourselves you know, and this is a survival mechanism, you know, justifiably, so we, we know why it happens, but oh, I'm not going to go over there and, you know, you know, jam on my guitar with this person, because I, I did last time, and we didn't create anything, and it was kind of a waste of my time, or they were better than I was, or whatever, and so we tell ourselves all these stories, and we don't do things, we don't go, we don't try, and if you're a person who doesn't know the thing that you're you're put on this planet to do or one of the things the main thing i would just try and audit your thoughts like are you are you sitting there right now not doing all these things because you have you know you've told yourself the story of how it's going to be if you tried it i think that is a tremendous um blind spot for most people and so if you are in that position what if you had a different attitude which is saying yes to so many things and you're tasting and you're trying and you're experiencing like to me that is a that is a an orientation that is a part of a mindset that is like the, you know, for the childlike mindset the beginner's mindset the world automatically becomes interesting if you can find yourself doing you know these things or or you can permit yourself or cultivate a even if you have to force yourself in this moment where you're saying yes to shit you would otherwise say no to. I I think to that same group, I would also suggest that, you know, the thing, and I I hinted at it earlier, but for every single person who's listening right now, there have been times in your life where everything was going right, where it felt good and you were doing something you liked with your time. Even if it it was for a weekend, a month, a season, a year, five years, a job i don't i don't want to be prescriptive but it was just things were going great it felt good it felt natural i would invite you to deconstruct those things and you could say well you know i was only 24 at the time and now i'm 36 and so it was just youth or you know stop that talk just deconstruct what was it you were you know on a photo shoot around the world with your friends skateboarding for thrasher magazine and cool. So then let's investigate skateboarding. Let's investigate spending more time with your friends. Let's investigate, you know, what were some of those things that you enjoyed? Who were you hanging out with? What sparked that imagination? And believe it or not, you can get pretty damn close. And in the last couple of years, I've uncovered a handful of things from my past that, you know, still just have re-energized me in a number of ways. And so this this two-part idea right this idea of a childlike wonder and appreciation and an openness and a stopping yourself from telling yourself the story of how it's going to be just remaining open and curious and then part two looking back at the times that were joyful and were you fulfilled and exciting and what kind of people were you around how are you spending your time what were you doing and then the last point on that for that 50% of the people who don't know what you're supposed to be doing with your life, like just reserve judgment, like hold off on judgment. I love morning pages. I think journaling about the things that you're feeling and thinking and learning. This is a very productive aspect of, uh, of this process. And this is not something that accidentally just happens. This is, I believe, uh, a, an exercise that you can do, not dissimilar to, you know, getting in shape if you want to start uh, finding this thing then trying and sampling and tasting all right that's 50% of the people then there's the other 50% that you know what you're supposed to be doing and for you this let's go back to the way way beginning this conversation where i was saying like the difference between the people who touch and or do what they want to do with their lives and the people who are 10xing it is largely mindset so I would ask you the first question, you know, part that I asked in the book, which is really like, can you imagine for yourself what you what what you want to do with this particular thing that is your call? Have you truly imagined what's possible or is your imagination? This is a skill that we've largely lost, and this is why I talk about it so much in the book, because, you know, it turns out that 90 percent of our imagination has been shaped by our culture, by our career counselors, by our parents, our peers, our, our spouses, our friends. And it turns out that that's largely an anchor, even around those people who love you dearly. And so I would ask that other 50% of the people, you know, can what can you actually imagine what would make your heart sing and how you'd want to spend your time? And this, this works with respect to an individual project or a life it works with what are you gonna you know what's gonna what's your website gonna look like next week can you imagine that or can you imagine what you want for your you know the next 20 years this is part of why I I distilled the book into these four parts imagine design execute and amplify this is these are four steps to a creative process that can unlock anything so to go back to your question there the 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 and I realize we're going full circle, the, this idea of going all in or burning the boats, that is actually a secondary step to you deciding, like, are if, if you're wondering if this thing is your thing, it's probably not. For the 50% of the people who are listening that for whom this is, they've got their juice, this to me is the process to run. You need to imagine what's possible, design your future, execute against that, and then bring a lot of people along the way. And if you don't, my God, start experimenting. And this whole idea of burning the boats and going all in or not, that's, that's uh, a second order problem.
0: Alrighty. So I hope that that answer helped you out a little bit. As far as do you scratch the surface? Do you go all in? The question that I also asked him on stage was this chase. You have said that you rediscovered a lot of things that brought you joy. And especially as a kid, And he talks about it, and he talks about writing, and he talks about golf, and he talks about things that bring you joy as a kid. So if you are looking to start that photo business, if you're looking to branch out and start the makeup or hair or wardrobe or whatever kind of artistry you do, and sometimes you feel stuck, sometimes we feel in a rut. We all do. How do you stop those voices in your head? How do you tell those voices to be quiet and to still continue on? Chase is going to dive into that, what his recommendation for you is. So let's listen to Chase. Take this one over.
2: I'll share two because they're radically divergent from one another. And I think they're both probably not expected. So one is writing. And you know it's not an accident that I wrote all this in a book and that we're talking about it and you know, I'm excited that it was a virtual instant bestseller, but it's because I worked my ass off. It took years. <laughs> it was, it was so hard and it's not an accident that I became a photographer to filmmaker. Cause you basically press record or, you know, you're pressing a shutter and you're recording instant after instant, or, in a you know, in a, in a video scenario, you're, you know, recording the moment That's instant. You you captured the thing versus writing is for me is slow and cumbersome. And I can always get there. But what I've reimagined for myself around writing as a non-native writer, as someone who understands writing, remember, I was in a PhD program in philosophy, which is largely about writing your thoughts. So to, to have come through that and still struggle, writing to me has, has, has been reborn. And I find it radically important for galvanizing my thoughts. If you can't write this shit down in a way that makes sense to you, it's going to be very hard for you to action against it in the world. So I have undergone a transformation where I'm writing on a regular basis. It's, I do have another book in the works. It's not yet. Um, I can't, nothing I can talk about yet, but this process of writing regularly as a vehicle for personal professional clarity is again, it was in my past. I enjoyed writing in the, my past and then I became a photographer and I wrote as little as possible. And, and so that's one thing, um, on the completely different tangent, I played golf as a young kid because I lived on a golf course and my dad golfed. And therefore that made me a golfer I ended up working in the summers in the golf course. And it was mostly just a way to, you know, make five bucks an hour and, Uh, have some responsibility on the summer, you know, in, in the summers, but when COVID and I basically stopped golfing for 20 years for a number of reasons, it was expensive. I was poor, Uh, you know, in college, for example, I was also very busy playing soccer. Um, And, and then life happens. And I also like, I mostly don't align with and don't appreciate country club culture, the barriers that golf signals. And Yet, I believe we're sort of on the cusp of a new era for the sport. And without going too far down that rabbit hole, when the co- when <laughs> the pandemic hit in, in uh, a year ago, March, there was nothing else that you could do in Seattle, at least, where we were first and arguably hardest hit early on. The only thing that was open was golf courses. That's all you could do. And so I started golfing again. And I used to, like, the rhetoric in my mind was, who has four hours to go follow a little white ball? you know, around, you know, the grass and, you know, let alone find joy in that. And what happened to me post pandemic was, oh my God, this is something that keeps me from working 24 hours a day to actually focus my attention on something else, to be able to be with a group of my friends outside, safely engaging, you know, moving my body in a way that's fun. And to reality, like golf is really freaking hard to be. It's, it's okay to be, it's not too hard to be decent. It's very hard to be very good. So the obsessive part of me got back into golf, and there's a half a dozen other examples. I'm just using these as these are things that you know in the previous ten years didn't find didn't bring me a lot of joy. And I look back like what were things that I enjoyed as a kid when I'm either stagnant or stuck or writing uh, was a, a great example, and and playing golf, and there are countless others, but just you know whatever the thing is it's less about writing or golf and what could be true for you because every single person here if you're stuck there are things in your past that were freaking awesome how can you go back and tap into those and right now you got to stop that voice in your head that says no i can't because i'm this age and people that age don't do that anymore last thing i'll do before i hand the mic back is recommend a book called play it away by a guy named Charlie Hone, who was a longtime assistant for Tim Ferriss, a dear friend of mine. And I met Charlie through Tim. Charlie wrote a book about this, and it's about how to to, um, basically mitigate anxiety through play and how we don't have enough play in our life. Back to you guys.
0: Another question that Matthew had for Chase was, how do you Find that balance between work and hobbies. If you're telling us to try all these new things, to find ourselves, to go back to, you know, what it was that made us happy as a little kid, how do you find that? Because at some point, you could only fill up part of your day or the whole day, but we run out of time. Again, it doesn't matter what kind of artistry you do. How do you find this balance? Really, that's that's a thing that all of us struggle with. And Chase is going to go into a little bit of detail. So if that's a question that you had, oh, my God, I'm overwhelmed. How do I start this? How do I make everything work? Work, hobbies, ideas, everything. Listen to Chase because he talks about it goes from the stage of pushing a big rock up a hill all of a sudden to as easy as running downhill, light fast. It just feels natural. So for photographers that you are afraid to start your business or how do you create space for learning a new technique, a new modality, or any kind of artist, listen to this and take notes.
2: I believe that in pulling the thread on the thing that you know about yourself, that whether it's inconvenient or not, you pursue because you're following your intuition. This is not the intuition of your career counselor or your spouse or even uh, your friends, your parents, people who have your theoretically have your interests in mind. When you know the thing and you decide to pull on that thread and you go from what feels like pushing a rock uphill to running downhill and because it feels natural, that is tapping into, you know, I talk about in the book is hearing your calling and, and walking your path and you tap into those things, something happens. The world starts happening for you rather than to you. And these other areas of your life, you, we just used the example of writing for me or, um, or some of these other projects for which I have received some notoriety. When you're doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing, those things happen and those things emerge naturally. You create space for those things you cultivate the relationships that bring those things into your life. And so it's almost a it's like you can't actually even understand you can you can grasp it conceptually, but until you've actually tapped into it where those ex, those, those feel instead like burdens that I have to choose from one thing or another and instead feel like logical, natural extensions of what you do. Uh, then it's very hard for me to explain. But you have to trust me. And if you talk to anyone who's doing their things or, or who's found their way into a bunch of different projects that all have a similar slant to them, and you're like, wow, I wish I could weave all of that shit together for myself, they have, I would bet, tapped into this. And I'll just give you an example, one that you've already used, which is the show. You talked about how do you, how were you a photographer and an entrepreneur and have this show? And because they were all woven together in a tightly knit package for me that made a ton of sense to my brain and the staff that I had working with me and the people in my community that were paying attention. They're like, oh, of course, Chase is going to do a live broadcast show where he has guests that are creative geniuses that inspire him. That's totally natural for Chase. And so it started becoming like, how do I right size this thing for all the other things that I want to do and not whether or not I should do it. Now, to be fair, the only way you can understand those things is by taking a chance and by, you know, tapping back to that point we made earlier around experimenting and and being curious and having childlike wonder. And, and then there's this natural sort of convergence that happens. And, and this is like, there's a fair bit of science to this, this idea of the world happening for you rather than to you when you're doing the things that, that, that feel good to you. This is following your intuition. These are, you know, this is, um, you know, one part quantum physics, one part being a human being who, you know, has desires and is passionate about things and, and is listening to the universe. Like, you know, that's, I I think, um, it it is largely misunderstood. But again, if you've tapped into this, then you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, my prescription is it doesn't seem to me that you're pulling on the threads that actually interest you. It sounds to me, you know, in counseling, I would say tens of thousands of people on this matter that you're doing all of the shit that everybody else wants you to do. And you were taught that that is a virtue in our culture and certainly, if you have children, responsibilities. and But I would ask the follow-up question like, won't those people in your life want you to be the very best you? And there's a reason that if you get on an airplane, they don't say, OK, in the, if we lose cabin pressure, the first thing you do is put your oxygen mask on your kid. No, they say, "You know, put your oxygen mask on yourself before assisting other passengers. And And so I would beg of you, if you're not tapped into that thing, you start to look at, are you actually pulling on that thread? Because if you do, I don't know too many people who've pulled on that thread and not been able to start to pull some of these things together. Think of yourself. I mean, Walid, you introduced yourself you know, with like 10 hyphens, right? You're like, <laughs> I like to do this and this and this and this. And it's like, we can tell that you're in a flow state. And look, there's the Instagram world. And is it a little messy maybe? Sure. And to be fair, I'm not trying to say we should make a dollar in 10 different places in our life to to pull together an income where we can make $10 because that's maybe too messy. I'm talking about leaning into the things that feel good to you. And if you do, that's you, you've life happens for you, not to you.
0: I told Chase on stage that humans are fascinating, that human beings are the only living creatures on earth that teach their young to kill their instincts animals don't do that they they really embrace that it's that fight or flight or you know humans say no don't do that because people might talk about you don't don't say this uh, you, you're a good boy you're a good girl be quiet you're a good girl you know and we'll silence the girls and and we'll tell boys not to feel emotions because boys are supposed to be tough and strong and girls are supposed to be quiet and i think that all of those things kill the instincts of baby humans and they don't know how to express themselves, and so that it, it teaches them to kill their instincts because everything is for somebody else. What is somebody else going to say? And I asked Chase about this because that, to me, has always rung true. Chase elaborated on that a little bit, too, and he said that he's seeing a lot of people losing their individuality. That's important for us as artists, to be individuals, to, to stand out, to to go with our own flow. So let's let's have Chase take over and explain this a little bit more in detail.
2: Glad to hear you say that. Again, that's, you know, I think that in the, in the intro to the book I talk about, if you're here to become a better artist, this absolutely will supercharge your creative endeavors. But this is really a book about life and how to live it because as you mentioned, I do believe we've gotten out of touch with, you know, this, the, the, the most precious aspects of ourselves and that is our own individual individuality our contribution our opportunity to you know this one precious life and um and and i do just to be crystal clear like that's the trojan horse aspect it is you know a lot of people like julia cameron's the artist way they're like oh it's going to help me in my creativity and Yes. And there's not a bunch of individual writing exercises. This is, you know, let's zoom out for a second. There's a lot of very, very particular stories and anecdotes and tools that will help you, you know, around your creativity with a capital C.
0: I think individuality is a huge thing for success. And that's why people hire you. And, you know, one of the parts that I really loved many parts I loved in Chase's book, but one part he said, you don't have to dress in all black and wear a beret and smoke if you want to be a fashion designer. That's what someone else's idea of a fashion designer is, but you don't have to do that. And, you know, in our case, in the photography community, we have generally ladies who wear that wide brim hat, that cowboy safari looking hat that I think they think makes him an artist. And guys wear beanies, you know, I think makes them feel like this is how they have to dress because they're a photographer. And no, you don't have to do any of that. You can just be yourself. And being yourself is really when people start hiring you and people start taking notice because when there is a sea of lookalikes, the client can pretty much jump to anyone they want because There's a sea of lookalikes. There's a lot of cheap photocopies of one another. But when you actually become yourself and you don't fit into a box because you feel that's how people want you to be, you stand out and people start valuing you and people start coming after you and wanting you on their projects. So Chase does a great job explaining this. And, you know, he talks about what separates humans from animals and that we, we literally are creating machines like full stop we are creating machines so he's gonna walk you through this and how you put that creative gene back into action so chase take it over
2: let's look at Beeple for a second so the dude is one of the like the most important artists ever he just sold his nft for 69 million dollars and the guy looks like a dentist right i mean he's like he's like and, and so take away this idea that you have to wear the beret and smoke the cigarette and have to have lived X kind of a childhood or live in Y hardship in order to like tap. That is all bullshit. That is all a story. It is a lie sold to us by suckers. And every single person like we are creating machines. You talked about different species on the planet. We are also the only. And this is what our creativity separates us from damn near every species on the planet. And so, to not lean into that as an attribute, as a virtue, is just denying so many fundamental aspects of who you are, and what you're capable of. Just as a as a fundamental, like like we don't even need, need to go any further. Like full stop. You are a creating machine and i like to think of creating as creating with a capital c i said it a second ago sure we think about creativity with a small c like photography design entrepreneurship building a business but you know what like passionate like joy filled lives they aren't found you don't find i don't know why they call us founders right they should be they should call us creators because i didn't find shit with creative life i built it with blood and sweat and tears and hundreds of other people have come together to do this work. And the same is true for you, for anything. It's, we are creating machines and my God, like it's time to put that little chunk of creative plutonium in you, your soul, your heart, all those things, put that into action with a capital C, right? It's, it's like those things, this, this life, this, it's specifically not just success. I think we're obsessed with success. What about fulfillment? And for every person who has mastered this this balance of of success and fulfillment, they've created that intentionally. And so, why wouldn't we teach that in schools? Why wouldn't we have a creative framework like idea, imagine, design, execute, amplify? Because that's you know we just need some (laughs) need the basics. We're not even taught the basics. We're taught the basics of you know of uh the pythagorean theorem in like what is that seventh grade but Horrible. we're not taught yeah but we're not taught you know these these and that's you know there's reasons that our school system is the way it is but i just want to underscore that that's like a it's it's a very critical aspect of being human that we are you know that we go around largely denying and i i, de- I am hoping to wake that up in anyone who's You know, listening or reading.
0: The next question that we had for Chase was about taking action. And a little tiny bit of a spoiler alert, if you read the book, that he nearly died on a Nike shoot underneath an avalanche. He came out of it alive, and thank God, and he decided that he was going to change his life, and that he was going to go after the things that made him happy, and he was going to operate differently. And I wanted to know, hey, Chase, do we all need to go through some sort of catastrophe to, to wake up? What can artists do to wake up? What can they do to pursue what they want? Because, you know, in all of my social accounts, on my podcast, everything, I encourage artists to start their businesses, to raise their prices, to try new things, to put themselves out there. But I don't want you waiting for a catastrophic event. God forbid that happens. I want you to wake up tomorrow and think, I'm going to change. And I'm not going to wait for someone to pass. I'm not going to wait for a near-death experience. I'm going to change. I'm going to change for me because I'm going to change because I want a better life. I'm going to change because I want to be happier. I want to be healthier. And I need you guys to realize that you're truly, truly one decision from someone discovering you. You're one decision away from somebody giving you that amazing contract or saying, hey, can I hire you? So Chase is going to go into detail about that because that was my question for him
2: this goes back to like how we think about this one precious life. Like right now there's someone who's listening, who's saying, my God, he's describing me. I'm doing the thing that I'm not supposed to be doing. I'm justifying it because I think this is what my kids need or my spouse needs or like, and I, it's killing me and it's making me sick. And it's like, and my ask is first awareness and authenticity with yourself, right? You've got to like come to terms with this. Now, what you shared uh, a little spoiler in the book is this was one of the things that woke me up. I was shooting a Nike campaign up in Alaska, I was caught in an avalanche and for every every measure I should be dead. Every measure. I mean, it's a total miracle that I'm here. And I was like, okay. I mean, as soon as that night like my reflection was, all right, I'm going to change a bunch of stuff. And I didn't, this, you know, go back to patience. I didn't feel like I had to, like, I went in one person and came out another. It's not that kind. It's like how I wanted to spend my time and my energy. And part of why this is, you know, the book has a couple, there's a little full circle moment in the book at the beginning and the end, which, you know, ties this all together. But the same is true. Like I, I, I wish... That we didn't need these catastrophic events you know another piece of the book is uh, i became a photographer in part because my grandfather dropped dead of a heart attack and one of the things that i got from him was his camera and he was like a camera nerd and so i got a bunch of his cameras and you know like i don't want to wait for someone to die in my life to tap into the thing I'm supposed to be doing. I don't want to almost die myself. And I'm sure that if you're listening to this right now, that you'd like to be able, just through doing work and through this key point of being aware, awareness of the life that you're living, and honestness, an an honesty, an, an integrity that you have within of yourself to make choices that are going to give you the life that you desire and deserve. And I don't think that that's not how we're coached to do it. And so the book is, that's literally one of the reasons I wrote the book. It was part of that promise that I made to share this sort of the, in, in ruthlessly practical terms. Go back to your point earlier, this is not about you know getting a different set of friends and moving to Paris and wearing a beret. And that is not what this means you have the tools around you to start today to take one step in the direction of the life that you're supposed to be leading. And the cool thing is that you might be 10,000 hours away or 10,000 miles or 10 years or whatever, but you're one decision away, the decision to decide to do that thing, to pursue the thing that you know, or find the thing that you're supposed to be doing if you don't know. And I think that is very empowering. So, you know, to, 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 the, to your question, like this is the essence of the book is discovering that in in ourselves without having to suffer trauma. Because you, you've heard it a hundred times, like someone's spouse dies and then they decide that they're finally going to fill in the blank, do X. Why did they have to wait for their spouse to die? And right now there's someone who's in a bullshit job doing a thing that they hate. It's not serving them. And I'm hoping to light a small fire under your hiney that will motivate you. I'm not saying get a different set of friends. I'm not saying sell the house. I'm not saying go all in. I'm saying start walking in the direction that you know to be true for you. And damn, what a better place the planet would be.
0: If you're one of the artists that feel stuck, and I'm, by the way, I'm so glad that Chase did speak about really just taking action and not waiting for catastrophic events. So this that's why now you're starting to get an idea of why I wanted to have Chase Jarvis on the podcast. So thank you, Matthew Young, for setting that up. Let's talk about for the artists that feel stuck, because I know you do. And I've felt stuck. In fact, I feel stuck on a couple of things right now. And really feel stuck right now. And I asked Chase for his advice on that. Like, what should people do when they feel stuck? And that we all experience these highs and lows. And uh, it's a reality we have to face. The super successful and the currently unsuccessful all feel it. There's just two different kinds of people. Those that are honest about it and those that pretend they're not stuck. But we all go through it. So here is what Chase recommends. And this was important for me to ask him because so many of you think that you're not good at your photography, that you're not good enough to charge it, that you're not good enough to raise your fees or whatever, whatever ridiculous excuse. Let me tell you, you're not that special because we're all going through this. And that should feel good that I said that, that we all go through this. It's quite normal. So let me have Chase talk about that a little bit more too. Here we go.
2: There are tools in the book that I think outlined it in, in a much greater detail Um, so like if you want to get that granular, definitely read the book. But for me, there's just a couple of categories of things. And I'll talk about those categories. One is to do something else. Stop doing the thing that you're doing, not stop as in like, I'm writing a book and I'm stuck. So I'm going to take two years off and go do a screenplay or, you know, start a startup. That's not what I mean. I mean, go on vacation. (laughs) I mean, go on a walk i mean go you know throw the ball with your kid i mean do something to change your orientation to the work another is and this is again where there's a lot of very detailed steps to do if you're stuck in the book but another one is to actually i like to have a couple of different projects rotating i usually have one big one uh you know one to two medium ones and a couple of small ones and i will just shift gears and go on to another thing because i'm stuck and this piece that i'm writing is not getting any better i know it's getting worse and by walking away and actually working on something else not taking a vacation or not going not going to play it away to cite charlie home's book again but to actually work on something else i find that i get I've got energy for the for the other thing in large part because it's new and it's like oh cool I can pick up the thread and I can jog with it again so to me there's this and this is where developing these muscles and a number of strategies for getting unstuck serves how it will serve you the most and and you know this category of You know, drop the rope. You can't be in a tug of war with something if you just set the rope down and go play. Like, usually, burning off some steam, going to work out, unleashing some of that pent up anxiety or frustration is super helpful. Other times, shifting gears and doing some different type of work. And then there's this third strategy, which is say you're on deadline and you can't drop the rope. You can't afford to walk away and go work on your book when you really need to finish the, you know, the commercial that you're editing, you have to actually push through. And in that case, there's a bunch of techniques. One is called the Pomodoro technique, which is you set yourself up with a timer and you work for a lot of time, say it's uh, 45 minutes uninterrupted. And you just wait for that buzzer to go off. And then that buzzer goes off and then you go do something else for 15 minutes. You go you know get a pb&j sandwich you go for a walk outside you come back and and that will there's a handful of techniques around if you have to get something done but you know let's zoom out for a second and say the reason that we're even talking about this is because all this shit is normal <laughs> these are we often think that we are the only person who's suffering with this right now and that we're the first human on the planet to have this problem of too much to do and not enough time we're overwhelmed or i turn this into my boss slash partner slash audience slash client thinks it sucks we're the first person who's um you know faced writer's block like no and you're not alone that's part of what you know this community who's listening to this call right now and the people who uh you know who are, you know, read creative calling and, you know, joined all the various book clubs around the world and taking the classes that are out there or creative live or anything else. It's like, you're not alone. The shit is, is normal. And, you know, in the particular, your, your existence lies universal. These are truths for all of us. That's one of the reasons that community, you know, IE this call is so powerful because even if just for a second you realize, like, oh shit, it's good to know that Chase struggles with some of this too. And it's good to know that, you know, Fernando and Juliet and Lindsay also struggle. Like, that's, you know, another crazy valuable aspect of community. So if this idea of getting unstuck, whether capital U in life or small u, the project that you're working on. Is it all um, interesting to you? I wrote it in, in the book, it was, you know, it's part of the, part of the topic that we're talking about here, but it's, you know, or you can, whatever it's on all, a lot of the stuff uh, that I'm sharing right now is, can be, I don't know, grokked from all the stuff that I put out in the world, but you're not alone you're wickedly creative. The people that you look up to, respect and admire, they got a lot of the same shit that you got or worse. And yet the lives that they're leading were largely very, very intentional. They did not just happen. It was not through, you know, overnight. It was 10 years of blood, sweat and tears and that's okay. The shitty part is not knowing, which is why we started at that point of the conversation at the beginning of this call. And so job one is to find the thing. Job two is to do that thing. If you haven't found the thing, go back and listen to this recording. And if you have found the thing, then wait, if you haven't found the thing, then we gave you some pointers. And if you have found the thing, then by God, do it because that's, you know, so many things are going to unlock. if You start pulling on the threads of doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing.
0: My final question for Chase was this. I think. One of the things that keeps you from starting your business, if you got a makeup brush in your hand or you got a camera or a paintbrush or a hanger because you're a stylist or whatever kind of creative work you do, that the haters are going to stop us from really reaching for the dreams. The haters are who we're performing for. You're betting against yourself. That's not good. So I asked Chase why he thought haters were his compass and... He really goes into something that you got to listen to this. He talks about 18 jobs and you'd be surprised. And it's it's a wake up call. It actually, it, it perked me right up. So here's Chase talking about haters and how to handle them.
2: People not liking your work. Let's just do some math real quick here. I'll just use my example so that we don't have to make one up. If I had, let's see it. I'll just use my photographic career as an example then um if i had if i did like 1.5 jobs per month now granted i was working on very very large scale projects you know like multi you know 10 15 day shoots that involve shooting a commercial and the ad campaign and all that stuff but 18 jobs a year would be a That gigantic year, gigantic, millions and millions of dollars. How many people need to like your work for that to be true? 18, 18 people signed the contract. Okay. And sure. Other times I've had 50 jobs in a year or a hundred jobs in a year or, you know, whatever. I mixed in a bunch of different stuff and I had 10, 15 gargantuan like boulders and you filled pebbles my point is it's like single, like you can count them on your hands and toes. And so why do we spend so much time trying to get everybody to like our work? You have your style. That's the thing, if if I could encourage anybody to be you know, focused on something in your creative capacity, it'd be defining your personal style. If I hold up a piece of Keith Haring art You, if you know anything about art history, you can identify Keith Haring. If I hold up a Jean-Michel Basquiat painting, you can identify that as a Jean-Michel Basquiat because it has a style to it. If I read to you from Brene Brown or Roxane Gay, if you are a writer, I bet you can recognize those words. This is the goal, your personal style, because that is what people hire you for. And it just turns out that you only need, you know, often a small subset of the universe to care about your work. Now, I'm using 18 as a very extreme example, but you may have heard the, the the blog post from Kevin Kelly, probably two decades ago now, 18, 15 years ago, called "1,000 True Fans." And if you haven't read it, it still largely holds true today. And the short version is if you can find a thousand people out there in the world using the internet who love your work you can have a life and a living that you love and so i would say with respect to haters don't even give them energy find spend your energy finding the people who do what if there's 7.495 million billion people who hate your shit? well you still have 500,000 people who love you and will devour everything you put out in the world. And that is, according to Kevin Kelly, 500 times more than you need to make an amazing living and a life doing what you love.
0: And that was really important for me to ask that question about haters because we got haters in our lives, people that you grew up with. And you got haters that people who will never even have the privilege of meeting you. They're out there but you got to put your work out there and just practice your creativity. So I hope that this podcast helped you. I also hope that you support Chase Jarvis. And I want to thank him for his time. And I want to thank especially Matthew Young for setting this up and co-hosting with me. I took our questions out, our voices, because of the conversations going back and forth. And I wanted to set up each of Chase's answers in a way that really made sense for the audience of this podcast. All of Chase's links are down in the show notes. You can support him by getting the audiobook or the actual book. And Chase has asked, please support independent small bookstores if you can. And I, of course, co-sign on that. Matthew Young's links are all down in the show notes also, as well as mine. I want to thank you for listening to this. I will speak with you at the next podcast episode and that is it i appreciate your time thank you so much go create something go put yourself out there fuck the haters go create all right you got this bye